Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award-winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free, and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Unleashed Podcast. As you know, this is a platform where we focus on humanizing athletes and getting the in-depth perspectives of uh, the athletes and learning more about them. And um, today's a very, very special episode. And some would say, finally, finally he's here. Finally, he's made himself available. Um, He is my childhood best friend. So we go back uh, longer than almost I can remember. Uh, we've spent a whole lot of life together, traveled the world together. He's in my top five favorite musicians of all time. Uh, former professional soccer player, I'm going to say now, Rashid Mahazi. Welcome, welcome to the studio, mate. What up? What up? <laughs> He's in the building, man. What are you? <laughs> what have you been doing, man? You look like you put on a few kilos over there. Yeah, um, yeah, just post career, um, just trying to become. <clears throat> the heavyweight champ of the world, man. <laughs> <laughs> can you, yeah. uh, can we effectively say that you've uh, retired? Yeah, from professional footy, yeah, yeah. Wow. Professionally, yeah, yeah. And then just explain I'll, this. I'll, I will play again. You will play football, but professional Not done. professionally, no. Wow. And how old are you now? 20, 28? 28, man. 28. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to dabble into that a little bit because right. that's... Uh, a big question mark for a lot of people, even yeah, even sure in your is. close circle. Sure is, yeah. <laughs> even for myself, to yeah, be fair. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, you are doing a bit of a challenge at the moment, mm. which, like, I don't understand it. Mm. I've, people have asked me, why is he trying to put on weight? Why is, what's he trying to achieve? And you haven't really given me a legitimate reason why. Uh, it's hard. Honestly, it's hard to produce a coherent answer to that <laughs> question. But you're you. I don't know if you know this, but you're part of where the fire has come from. Why? Because I, so I've come back and I'm like, I was speaking to my mate Kwame and we were talking, oh, it'd be nice to put on a bit of muscle, put a bit of weight on, you know, cause you're always <laughs> trying to be like, you know, like AFL boys, NRL boys, they can be big and look like good. Yeah. But as a soccer player, it's sort of to your detriment to yeah. be kind of, you know, you, the smaller, the better really in the <laughs> yeah, soccer world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and so I was like, oh yeah, I might might try to do that. And, and I said, I think I started with like eighty five. I want to get up to eighty five. And he goes, Nah, man, that's that, that's nothing, bro. Go ninety five, ninety five, sick. And so I go, all right, all right. Not realizing how big that actually is in, in comparison to what I was at, which was seventy three when I was playing. So twenty two kilos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which not really realizing how much weight that is to put on. There's no medical recommendation for this, right? Like a- no, it's definitely de- to my detriment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel te- I feel terrible. Yeah, you look massive. You were eating a meal on the on entrance as well, which is, for anyone that knows your shit, he's always been lean and fit. So this is just a weird outing. Um, um, but yeah, so then when I come back and I, I'm sort of going around touting it to everyone in my, my, my sh- small circle, while I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Um, <laughs> And uh, and you boys, you and a couple of your mates were like, 95? No way. Get no chance. Yeah. <laughs> and that was where the fire was lit. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing, the other side of it is a bit more of a serious thing, which is last time I stopped playing, which was uh, to be, was was definitely a temporary thing. It wasn't like, oh, I'm finishing up, I'm, I'm done. It was like, I'm having a year off at that mm. time. And when I did that, I didn't have a specific physical goal to, to, to sort of like, I, I think for my brain, I need something to like a, a, a physical specific goal yeah, to, yeah. to look forward to. Um, otherwise I just sort of go off the rails and party too much. And, yeah. But um, ha- this is, so this is interesting cause I'm the exact same, like very goal orientated and like whatever I do through the week, it needs to be for a reason, like yeah. to, to an end point. And mm-hmm. with soccer, with any sport training a week is for a game. Like exactly, you're yeah. preparing mentally for a uh, performance. Like, so that's yeah. one of the things that I find difficult for athletes after is like, what's that end point? You don't play in the stadiums anymore yeah. in front of packed people. So how do you fill that void? Yeah, exactly. Are you sh- struggling with that at the moment? And I, I mean, well, exactly why I guess I had that learning curve of the first time that I did it and, and it was, went terribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What was that? 
Yeah, like you said, it's real specific. You know what you're looking forward to, what you're training for, exactly what you're doing. Um, and then you, then you come out of your career and you make some lofty goal like, oh, I'm going to try to stay fit. But what does that mean, you know? Yeah. And especially for someone that's played sport your whole life where you've had real obvious things that you're looking into the future and going, I want to attain that. Um, and that sort of uh, that sort of informs your decision-making in the short term, you know, like, oh, okay, I've got to get up at, whether say for it sounds funny, but to eat to de- eat enough meals to be able to put the weight on, I need to get up early, mm. right? So I need because I I can't I can't sleep into eleven and get, have my first meal at eleven thirty or whatever because I won't be able to get as much calories, mm-hmm. uh, the amount of calories that I need. Yeah. So I need to get up say eight o'clock right at, at the latest that it's like, okay, I can I can get these meals in, right? It sounds it sounds funny, but it's like it means I'm getting up. You get a discipline. I'm, I'm getting like a consistent sleep wake cycle. You know, which yeah. is funny, but it's it's helped me hugely. That okay, I'm I'm out on maybe on a Saturday night, and people are like, "Oh, let's do this, let's do this," and I'm like in my head, but that will mean that I can't get up at this time tomorrow, or the, that will mean that I'll be off, yeah, yeah, and I'll be behind my schedule from what I was trying to do. Yeah, so it's been good for me, and yeah, just making like a specific goal, real specific, real specific. Yeah, you know? that's that's hard, man, because I was like that. I as you know, when I came out of soccer, I started partying heaps because I didn't have a reason to say no. Like, exactly, like, yeah. Well, what else am I going to do? That exactly was where right, my perspective yeah. at was, was at. And then, obviously, when I was playing, I never went out because I had oh, soccer the next day. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Every athlete's, um, every athlete's experience. But let's get talking about your recent journey that you've just come off. Um, you're playing in Korea for a couple of years with the famous mm-hmm. Incheon United, which if anyone knows Rashid at Incheon, he was loved absolutely loved by the fans. I was just saying there is a video on YouTube, 19 minutes of Rashid's season in 2019 of him just slide tackling people. <laughs> like just slide tackling the shit out of people. But I do want to speak about that experience because I've said to people that there's not too many people I know that would have come out of that experience stronger than you and someone that was built enough for that experience. And the reason why I say that is you were living in another country with not so many tourists, like mainly locals in Korea and especially the part of Korea. So there probably was a lot of, um, non-English speaking people, um, through a pandemic. Oh yeah. 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 So can you explain to me just about your whole experience in Korea and, and the timing of of obviously COVID and and the season there? Yeah. To be honest, the, the pandemic didn't really change my life too drastically because, because I was doing nothing as it was, as it was before the, Mm. the first year. It wasn't like I was going out and partying and doing it. It's just like I was going to training before. I was the year before I was going to training, coming home, cooking my meals, doing my study, going to sleep, like doing that every day. So then, I guess it was it was pretty similar. I mean, there was changes to the season, the way the season was structured, and we had a few. It was funny we were talking about. I mean, the 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 other foreigner boys saying like. You know, we get these like four days. Some sometimes we would have four days off in a row, which you never, ha- you know, it's like you never have that mm. in the in the season, mm. right? Or even in your preseason. And so we get these four days off because it's like, oh, they've put pushed the season back a month or whatever. And I would say to the coach, please, please don't do that <laughs> <laughs> because I've got nothing to do. <laughs> I got nothing. It's the worst thing ever. And I, on, <clears throat> I swear on my life, there were a couple of days that I realised. Um, that say, you know, I'd pack my fridge and whatever, I'd set myself up and then I'd have these four days off. And I'd realise after maybe two days, I actually haven't spoken a word. <laughs> I haven't opened my mouth to one person <laughs> That's today. That's ridiculous. And I feel like it's very unhealthy to yeah. some extent. But, but you somewhat <laughs> like that in, in some yeah, regards. I mean, that's the something that I've got to sort of try to keep uh, going into um, going into a career of sport. It's sort of, it's so taboo t- to say that you've got something outside of sport and you almost feel like you're uh, being disrespectful to your sport. I remember having this thing, people would come in to, you know, give us talks at Melbourne Victory or something. We'd have them maybe once a month, once every two months. People would come in and whatever they're doing, real estate or whatever. And I remember saying to the boys or or, or, or just thinking about it myself after this, man, I'm just focusing on my football. Like, yeah. that's what that's what I'm doing. That's yeah. what I'm doing, you know. But it's also, um, and we've spoke about this, that I actually think it's in a weird way better for your football to have something outside. Um, and for me, when I started studying, that was so good because, okay, you, you come home after 
playing a bad game or, or having a bad training session or something and um, if you care about what you're doing or whatever and it's like, oh, I'm so shit, oh, I'm bad, whatever, you're having these thoughts, these negative thoughts. <clears throat> and if your whole world is just the football, then you're going to go sit there and you think about that the whole night or the whole day or whatever. And people talk about this when they have a family, maybe they have a kid or something, they talk about they go home, they've got a different purpose so they yeah, can switch yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. And and for me, doing the doing the doing having other interests outside, whether it be my music or, or psych stuff, is like, <clears throat> yeah, I go home, but okay, I had a bad game or I had a bad training session, but shit, I've got to get this assignment done. So just automatically you just switch off. Yeah. And it actually helps you sport which is a weird thing because you hear these people like Roy Keane and yeah, Carragher and talk just, focus on, just fo- focus on your football focus on your football man forget Colton but I think it's wrong and I think it's old-fashioned honestly in yeah. my yeah, honest opinion what what was the standard of football like in Korea in comparison mm. to the A-League where you obviously had a lot more experience of yeah such different football like so different football um and it, and it's hard to say the standard I mean I think the top four, five teams, probably, uh, probably, quite a bit above the A League, I'd say. Mm. Um, Just in terms of what, like the quality across the park or the imports, yeah. or so. Well, yeah, I mean, nah, I think we have better. We've have had better imports here. We have great imports. Here, yeah, think, yeah, yeah. I think so, but the Koreans, man, they're. They're just technically perfect. Like that, they, they don't make, they don't take a bad touch. They don't. They can play with both feet. All of them. They can play long. They can play short. You know everything. And so, technically, they're because they've trained every single minute of their like, just like military. They're so military influenced over there. That's so, they've they've trained so hard in every aspect of technique. Yeah. That they're all pretty perfect. Yeah. And then. Um, and then obviously the imports sort of make the difference uh, as they do here, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'd say like there's a we we used to speak about it quite a bit, but through the the, the cultural influence of the way that um, in Korea uh, there's there's such high value placed on respect and the respect of elders or people higher in the hierarchy than you and whatever. So you, so you look to the coach and the coach tells you to do something, say for example. Yeah. And um, and I remember one of the biggest lessons for me when I when I was um at Victory was uh I was doing something we were playing a game I think a friendly or something, and uh, Muskie had told me to do something, and and. I was doing it and it wasn't working. And um, I remember Fahid Benkalfala cracking it at me and going like, bro, I know he told you that, but fuck, you have to make your own decision when you're on the field. You have to, you know what's best on the field. You make your own decision. And and that was like a big lesson for me. And and then over there, you see you see it much more, it's much more salient that the coaches told them to do something and or their coaches through their life has to, have told them to do something. And they've stuck to that. Very regiment. Yeah, yeah, very, very regiment. So I think the uh, creative thought, the the, the ability to um, to change when di- when something's not working in a game, to go, okay, boys, this is not working. Let's do this. Is better here, mm. but in terms of just technically, they're miles above. Yeah, miles, miles above. One thing you mentioned when you were there as well, I remember you saying, and I, I remember you saying, obviously, that the league was very orientated around like fitness too, like it was a very strong league mm. from a fitness point of view, which probably yeah. why you smoothed in, uh, settled in so well, but also the training aspect, you were like training yeah. a lot. Yeah. I mean, the first, the first six months <clears throat> I was there, we had, um, uh, we had a coach that, uh, apparently I realized that was not typical Korean coach. Mm. And so my first six months, I was like, this is great. You know, normal training sessions, like normal meetings, normal everything, you know, it was pretty similar to here. It wasn't too different. And the boys were like, no, 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 that's not, that's not normal. Mm. And then, you know, a new coach come in the next year. Um, and, and it was just straight away. It was so different. It was like three hour sessions, two and a half hours, just minimum. You just, this is like walk, most of the session you're walking around or, well, that was with this particular coach, but, um, 
just such long sessions and I I ended up doing my calf three times. So just wanted, not... to, wanted to speak. Yeah, you did. You had a, your calf was just blowing up there, the baby, the yeah. baby cow. But um, yeah. how, how did um, there's a, there's a story of like the coach having a discussion with you about potentially what's impacting <laughs> oh, yeah. those calf muscles. Yeah. So um, that wasn't the coach that I was just talking about. That was the second coach that came in. Who second or yeah, third technically, because um, we were struggling. We were really struggling. And, um, it came to a game. I remember we were, I don't remember exactly the numbers, but it was something like we were, um, so only bottom was getting relegated this year, last year. And it was like round, I don't know, like say 20 of a 27 round season, something like that. Yeah. And we were like 14 points below second last that's 14 points below yeah second last yeah and i remember because we, we'd gone into that game going oh this is really important games boys we, like we need to win this otherwise you know and sorry at that time we were 11 and then we lost that game and i remember sort of people looking around the change room like oh, like that's that's it you're like you Stop. can't you can't come back from that you know too many points and um this guy came in this coach and he's a nice guy. We didn't really like our philosophies didn't really like see to eye to eye, but he was like, he just changed everything, everything. Crazy. And he's, he's, I, I don't know how he did it, but he said, he saved us in the end and they st we stayed up. Yeah. Um, but he was very, very, very strict. He came in first week he comes in and he goes, oh. He's he's redone all the fines lists. So I don't know if people are listening, if you don't play football or whatever, or you don't play sport. Um, in your sport teams, you don't have this, but we have fine fine lists, right? Where you make it, I don't know, you get nutmegged in training, you pay you're 10 bucks, you late, late to training, to 50 bucks. As a monetary, to, yeah, monetary right? punishment. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit of fun normally. It's not that serious. It's sort of like to just keep people in line, but a little bit of a laugh as well. And this guy comes in and he just goes, oh, I've redone this fine list. And basically it's like, for example, things that were on there was uh, if you're walking and you're on your phone, $1,000 fine. If you're right. if you're seen outside your house after 10 p.m., $20,000. So, <laughs> what? So if you show a bad attitude at training, $10,000 fine. Just like insane stuff. Please tell me this is contested. Well, there you go. So the most of the boys just went and signed it. And us, the, the foreigners in the team were like, there's no way in the world we're signing that. So we had a separate meeting with him. He's like, why don't you want to sign it? And we're like, is that even a question? Why are you even asking that? Why wouldn't you sign it? Anyway, so there's this whole thing. Typically, though, fines are built <clears throat> by the players, for the players, to from an inner sanctum to have discipline. But also yeah. that the monetary, like there's a kitty, that money goes back into the players for like yeah. team bonding or experiences. Yes, yeah, so so that's not the way coach, it works. A coach to dabble in that is a dangerous <laughs> strategy, boss. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, that was like the first week and I was like, oh, this is going to be difficult for me, you know. And um, anyway, so then, but we actually had a, we were all right. We had a good relationship. He was a good guy and um, and, and he, good coach. Yeah. And um, then... But I'd done my calf. I can't remember exactly, but I had done the. That was my third calf that I'd in done in the space of a season, or yeah, in the space of the season. Wow. And he'd come in, and he knew that. No, so he he had come in. I just came back, and I played one game, and, and then I redid it. And that was the first game that he came, and he you know he come up to me, said, "I like you. You know, I want you to stay on next year. I really like what you're doing. Blah blah, blah all this." Um, <clears throat> when he comes to talk to you in these countries, because I'm assuming, can he speak English? Oh, sorry. No, no, no. This is through a translator. So yeah. there's always like an, yeah. a kind of like a miniman with him. Yeah. So this is through a translator. Um, and he goes, oh, you know, I really like what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Through the translator, of course. And he goes, but I hear that, uh, you know, you have an interest. You play, you play your guitar and, and you're also you're doing study outside of football. Do you think maybe you should you can stop this stuff because I think this is why you're doing your calf. 
<laughs> what? And I, uh, I don't know, man. I, I can't even remember what I said. I, I just don't, don't see the, the correlation. What, yeah, the correlation between those two things, but because especially because, and I said, to, oh, I remember saying to the translator, you know me, man. Like, I spend twenty four hours of my day thinking about what can I do to be like healthy, to be good, to sleep the right time, to do all this stuff. You know, I don't think. Like, surely that's not affecting my body just playing the guitar, <laughs> sitting down playing yeah, the guitar. I wouldn't have thought moving riding. the fingers would affect the calf. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but some, um, yeah, some different, some different thoughts over there. I Man, guess. different philosophies. It would have been an amazing <laughs> experience. I always think when you move yeah. out of home, and ex- fortunately with football, like it can take us to like a lot of places. It, it kind of does mature you quickly <clears> and um, broaden your perspective quite a lot. And I know you have a pretty unique view on football and life, but did you, given you're quite young from a professional football lens as well, did you always have your eye on finishing up your career earlier or like, because obviously you, and we'll touch on one of the reasons why you took that gap here a few years back, Yeah, but yeah, obviously people, you, you could have extended a contract at Incheon. There's probably other offers around either Asia or even in the A-League for you. Yeah. So what, what prompted you to finish up earlier? Um, There's two questions there. Did I think, did, did I have that yeah. planned or, or planned? And yeah. then, okay. So in terms of planning it, nah, man, that's why, that's why it's such a difficult decision. And you know, it's like where as a kid, I wrote this, um, I got this thing that I wrote up about, I haven't put it out yet, but of how you just could never see yourself falling out of love in the, of the, with the game. Mm. Like you could just never see that happening. You know, you're so obsessed with it. Um, and yeah, so it was definitely not something that I had thought, especially when I was younger, that that would ever happen. Um, and then through the years, uh, it's probably it, it, gradually happening. It wasn't like a sudden thing, anything sudden, but it was definitely gradually happening. Um, I think, uh, what for, sort of spawned it on? I guess this this past year, I had a lot of anxiety, real bad anxiety, um, and that it's hard to say exactly where it's come from, where it came from, um, but it was basically it started when I first went back, um, completely not football related at all, like it wasn't something something that happened this is completely irrelevant um but something happened and i started having panic attacks after that for about three weeks um and and quite in quite intense if i'm being honest like uh sort of feeling like honestly there was maybe four or five days that every time it was happening i was thinking fuck i better go in the emergency room like i'm having a heart attack like that um and then it was like a, a button was flicked in my, in my body and then the anxiety continued after that m- much to a less to a, to a much lesser extent than those 3 weeks but it was always sort of there and again i mean maybe spending a lot of time by myself and stuff but it just felt to me like uh, it's hard to put my finger on it but it felt like my body was telling me um that I'm not on the path that that I like. I know deep down in myself, I'm not on the path that I want to be on right now. You know, I'm sort of lying to myself, and it, it, maybe that wasn't front of mind at the time, but I knew that I didn't feel uh, I didn't feel like I was in a place of yeah, this is me. Yeah, this is me. And you know, you know what I'm like. You know my personality and whatever. Um, and the things, the interests that I have, I, I love football. I, I love it to play it, but the world of football is not um, something that I feel like I fit into completely, and it's not sort of my space. And um, just sort of what I was what I was talking about, basically that, yeah, that was having these these feelings that. Uh, then when I sat down and really, really thought about it, and sort of. Um, broke it down in my mind, think in my head, okay, <clears throat> do I enjoy playing football um, as much 
for example, when I'm playing professionally compared to when I'm playing in MPL, for any, uh, right? No, I enjoy it more in the MPL, if I'm honest. Really? I have more fun. I I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it more. Right? Is that because it's less serious or there's just an element of like, because I sympathize with that view as well in the mm. sense that <clears throat> I feel more connected to my inner child that loved the game, playing at yeah. that level. Yeah. As opposed to, not that I didn't enjoy it at the pro level, like, cause I was competitive, but I, I didn't, I didn't choose to have more fun at MPL level. Like I just yeah. genuinely do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what, to, I can't, I can't put my finger can't on what that. exactly yeah. it is. Um, but then, and then I go, okay, so it's not for the fun aspect. And then the other big thing is, you know, you've got an aspiration to get here, there or somewhere, right? Some goal in mind. And I didn't, I could lie to myself and I could impose that on myself that I have this desire and pretend to myself that I have that desire, but the aspiration wasn't there to, to, to get to a certain, I was like happy with where I'm at and what I'm doing and, um, yeah. And, 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 and basically then I go, well, what am I here for? I'm, pl- I'm here for money. I know uh, that's what I'm here for. And I <laughs> always said, and I told you, I remember telling you this on the phone that, um, that I'd always said since I was a kid that I would never play for money. Mm. I would never make it about money. And if that was, as soon as that became the main purpose of why I was playing, then I would stop. And I know money's important. Everyone will say, oh, you know, yeah, it's just normal. You grow up, you need to support, we'll do this, right? Um, but I had that in my head that when that happen, when it gets to that point, I'm going to, I'm not going to play. Mm. I'm not going to, you know, and, um, and I remember there was a game, because over in Korea you get bonuses. In Australia you don't get bonuses for wins and draws or whatever. And so over there, and you can get some pretty, you can get some decent money from just your bonuses and stuff, right? And then we had, um, even even the year before, we had really some big bonuses because of, um, because we'd lost so many games and then there was such a big incentive to win towards the end. So they'd, stay bump, the they'd bump them up, right? Yeah. And, and I remember saying to the guys on the last day of the season, there was one game the last day of the season, and basically they said all the bonuses from the year or the last like seven games or something, you're not going to get them unless you stay up. So it was like an accumulation of all. Wow. And even on that in that game, there wasn't a second that I thought about money yeah. during the game. Yeah. And um, it sounds real trivial, but for me it was a, like a significant moment that um, we were playing a game and... Uh, Goalkeeper was kicking the ball, and um, we 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 were losing one nil or something, or maybe we were drawing. Uh, no, we were drawing, and um, I had this thought like, oh no, like I need to win because I need to get the bonus. And so I started, you know, run real hard and stuff. And I was like, that's it. <laughs> that's the. It sounds funny and it sounds trivial, so but in, in game, my mind, in the game, you knew that was uh, after the game. I remembered having that thought, and I was like, nah, I'm I'm here now. My main purpose is money. And I back myself, honestly, to make more money outside of football than in football. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So what am I there for then? You know, it, if, if I'm there for money, then it the doesn't point? make sense to me to yeah. be there anymore. There are a large <clears throat> amount of players though that play for money. And I don't actually think there's anything wrong with that as long There's as nothing that, wrong with that's that at what all. Sti- stimulates yeah. you. But it's pretty interesting, like, when you think about the distance of where you've got to from Rashid 10 years ago, who, how you treated the game to that sort of final aspect, which probably why it was like, this is worlds apart of why I started playing and the enjoyment I'm getting was yeah. fueling me. And then also yeah. you got to factor in from the outside. Cause I know probably listeners be like, Oh, you'd give everything to be a pro football and don't get me wrong. We did. Um, and, and people who are there do, but at the same time, if, if you're not getting the stimulation from the game of why you played it, and you're living in another country where you're yeah. away from your family and friends. Like, well, it's like, what are you doing it for? Yeah. You know, yeah. and it starts to lose that sentiment, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's exactly like what you're saying that comparing that to the feeling that I had before, mm. it's like night and day, Yeah, you know, so. Because you made your mark on the professional football world. I never forget when you first got your contract because I always felt like you didn't have the... Like, it's, it's funny. We had so different youth careers. Oh, yeah. Like, I ticked every pathway box that this country puts in your place. Like, made every rep team, made every state team, 
Australian team and you you didn't necessarily in your age group and then you had to like like I said um, on a podcast I think with Jamie McLaren at, there was a period where if you didn't make the Institute of Sports either in the VIS or the AIS most likely the only way you would have a um, a serious pathway to being a pro footballer was to go overseas yeah and you ended up going to Argentina which is like crazy through one of our mutual coaches that we had as a kid Daniel Santima with the River Plate Academy um, which I, you can touch on if you want but I did want to talk about how essentially you got picked up from the MPL um, playing for Northcote which oh, right, those yeah. those who are listening who are like you've mentioned the MPL what the heck is that it's the equivalent of the VFL for soccer in, in uh, Victoria so it's the National Premier League semi-professional level um, Rashid was playing for Northcote I think for half a season where they were undefeated and then Ange Postacoglu, who is arguably the best current coach that we have from an Australian standpoint, former Socceroo coach, former Melbourne Victory uh, coach, ended up signing you and giving you an opportunity. And I remember like, well, you've gone the back way into getting a pro contract. That's amazing. Like yeah. there is an angle there um, to go from that because I didn't think that was possible. Yeah. Did Yeah. yeah how Can you speak us through? I mean, I was talking to someone, I was talking to someone about it the other day, um, about with football, with soccer, sorry, specifically that um, I'm not sure if it's the same with 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 other sports in this country. I don't know, but um, definitely with soccer, there's so many places you can go to. There's so you can go anywhere around the world that it's like. But you do. I remember listening to the. I listened to the podcast with you and Jamie, and and th- when you're talking about the Vic teams and stuff, and I remember being a kid and not getting picked in them and stuff, and seeing kids. I don't know, at the bus station or something, wearing these Victorian jackets. And oh, I used man. to look at them like... It was like Versace, bro. It was like Versace. <laughs> yeah, Straight man. up, man. You take that bag Seriously, home and smell it like that. The shorts. I was like, oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, I didn't want to play. I just want the kids. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so I never made any of them. And I just sort of got to a point where um, the opportunity came up um, through, like you said, Daniel Santamil, who... Help, help. Without him, I, I wouldn't have sort of gone anywhere, I don't reckon. So, um, yeah, that opportunity came up, went over, um, saw what what football is, you know, saw kids proper from, you know, the slums and that. And, and, Where and, in Buenos Aires? Yeah, you know, just like rough kids and they're coming in there and they're just unbelievable and they and they don't give a fuck about you yeah you know they'll just tear your head if you make a mistake they'll tear your head off yeah, you know different world. and it's just confronting and i remember the first few weeks being there with me and chris kiosis and and being like whoa these guys are crazy good and just crazy in general yeah. and just this country just loves football i've never seen anything like it and um so yeah we had the those few years there um ended up Stuart Munro put us on to um, an agent named uh, Sylvia Latoff, and then she sort of got the ball rolling over there, and 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 um and set us up with uh, Independiente for a few years, and then I came back, and um I thought honestly coming from there, I thought I'll walk into the A League, mm-hmm. just just by just by seeing the quality of those kids and. And what I had seen here, and maybe it was displaced the confidence, but came back in the MPL and um, and yeah went to Northcote where uh, a few of my mates were there and um, and a good coach Goran Lozanovsky and then uh, <laughs> shout out we, yeah then and uh, and we had a young team of at the time I don't think it was really like play it, you know, big names or anything like that in the MPL world. But we just went boom, 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 straight winning like four nil, five nil, five nil, four nil first few rounds. And then I think it was Darren Davies who actually came to the game and came and watched. He was like an and assistant coach at the time. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or he was assistant or with the youth. I can't remember exactly, but he was always there. Yeah. Um, and he was awesome. And, and anyway, yeah, they said, yeah, come for a trial. Um, and I guess it's always been, it's funny, you know, uh, when I think back on, on those like moments, there's always been, um, moments just before I've sort of confirmed my next trajectory, my next trajectory up Mm. that I've had this, oh no, like I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to get to where I want to get to. 
And what that was was I went for a trial, didn't get called back after a week. And then um, I heard a couple of other guys had gone on trial. Sorry, no. So it was, uh, it was before I was even asked to go on trial. Other people had gone on trial. And I remember having this thought in my backyard going, if they're not coming now for me, then it's probably it. Like mm. if I don't make it this season, mm. it's probably it. I remember having that thought. And then it was like three days later, I got, you know, called in for a trial or something and then did my training and then blah, blah, long story short, I, I um, yeah, signed with them and probably had two conversations with him in my life and he, he probably gave me, uh, yeah, you're going to sign. And that was about it. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the amount of praise that he gives you, you know, but, um, but he was awesome. Awesome mind, man. Really, um, really great coach. Really awesome. Um, and I was only with him for a few weeks, but very interesting man. Interesting coach. What, yeah. What was it like playing under Ange Postacoglu? And like second question, just on from that, the early experiences you had at Melbourne Victory and like first taste of professional football. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was, I was only with Ange for a few weeks. Um, but you could tell he was just a, a different cat, you know, just the way he moved, the way, the way he was with people, he's th- like thinking about tactically about the game and stuff. Um, but yeah, I didn't have too much experience with him to, to sort of comment too much. But, um, then obviously Muskie came in and had pretty decent success in his um, few years there. And uh, what was it like? The first the first year, um, I actually heard, um, I actually heard uh, Jimmy Jago saying the other day, talking about Archie Thompson. Bro, yeah, yeah. I saw that video. Wait, <laughs> I want to plug that because, yeah, James Jago, who's playing it, I think the team in Greece, they're called Aris maybe, but they're coming second in the in the Greek oh, ladder, wow. like they're flying. Oh, I think wow. they're one under the, one of the top teams that's in the Champions League. And James Jago was asked a question, who's the best football you've ever played with? And he goes like, honestly, like not to take the piss, but it's, it's Archie Thompson. Yeah. The, 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 I, when I saw that, I thought the, the rude part about that is that he said a surprising one. Yeah. If, why is that surprising? <laughs> yeah. Did you see Archie's Archie <laughs> face? He goes, why are you surprised? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but man. I had the same experience, 100%, the same experience of going into victory. And, you know, like I said, I'd seen players in Argentina thinking, what, Manuel Lencini, these players, and thinking, oh, these, good, these guys are good, you know. And then going into victory, and the first week, what happened was, the first week I was there, there was uh, an Australian socceroo, it's like a local um, socceroo's makeup. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Um, yep. So the international players weren't there. Yeah. So... I think, you know, there was a few boys from the team that had gone. I think Connor, Connor Payne had gone, Mitch Nichols had gone, Archie had gone. There was a few of them. And um, and so I went into training and I was just like, holding my own. I thought, oh, it's not much of a big step up. Like, I, I, I belong here. Easy. No problem. And then they all came back and seeing Archie in the first, like, five seconds, it was like, oh, my God. Yeah. This guy's just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it was awesome, man, playing with one of my heroes like Archie yeah. and, then, you know, people that that are in my own position, like Mark Milligan that is, you know, like what an um, incredible player, a player. And, yeah. and, and career and what, everything. Um, so, yeah, I had an awesome experience there. Um, it wasn't all sunshines and rainbows, you know, the first. Yeah, because that's um, what I want to talk about. Yeah. Like it was a bit of a roller coaster journey and like um, – you played a lot of games. How many games did you play? Did you play just under 100 for victory? Somewhere around that. I'd yeah, say, yeah, just under 100, yeah. won a championship. <clears throat> Arguably, on paper, you'd say that's everything you'd want it. experience yeah. going in. <clears throat> and as you said, you played with great plays that you could learn a lot. And I know you got a lot of great friendships out of it. But did you feel that, like, one thing I, I wanted to touch on with you was, I know you actually, from a roller coaster standpoint with some of the coaches, like you had some run-ins. You obviously had some great moments as well, but some of the runnings you had and also just like some of the fan, um, I guess, fan communication that you were, you were encompassing either on social media or just mm. in general, like you were kind yeah. of a bit of a target at a point yeah. and having to navigate through that as a young player is very tough. Yeah. Like, and it's not necessarily warranted either, right? It's yeah. just 
Like how, how was all that experience for you? Yeah, it's a weird dynamic, isn't it? The way the social media thing, the way people speak to, um, speak to people on social media, um, that they would, I don't, I don't know. It's like, where the, where are these people in real life? Mm. You know, like no one's saying it to your face or whatever. <laughs> so it's just so, it's just such a weird dynamic. But to be honest, I think I handled it quite well. I felt, I felt like I was. No, um, you did. Definitely. Quite, yeah. I, I felt like, yeah, it affected, like, of course it affected me. I, if I would see that shit, it would, it would make me upset or whatever. Right. But, um, I, I sort of don't want to discredit like it's, and I don't want to say that, uh, say that I, I was, I was able to deal with it. So then it's okay. Um, so I'm sort of careful that I want to say that. Uh, uh, but I'll say from the perspective of say something, someone like Muskie, for example, um, he's the type of person that he just expects such high standards all the time. This is Kevin know? Muskie. He's yeah. the coach, right? Yeah. Sorry, a, a league legend, yeah. soccer legend. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, he can have a laugh and he can and have a joke and whatever. But if, you, if you're if you doing the wrong thing in terms of play, something to do with your playing, he'll come at you, you know. And um, especially when it's in the game, you know. And I'm careful to say that it's a good thing, but I think for me made me better so it's hard to say because obviously each player is different every player is different and uh there's definitely the thing of you definitely shouldn't treat every player the same way and um i think that's one of the main things that coaches get wrong and something that's definitely changing but one player might be play better if you scream at him the next player might play better if you tell him he's the best player in the world and whatever you know but for me, um, I didn't mind being around uh, people that had really high expectations. And it came from also the players. You know, I mentioned Fahid before. Mm. Like he's, he's one of my best mates. But if it was on the ground and or in training or something, Rifles. and I was doing the wrong thing, he would just come at me like hard. Mm. And... Like I said, I didn't mind it, but it's hard to say, you know, is that uh, the most conducive uh, place to living a good life, living a happy, good life, you know, being in the spotlight all the time. You know, you look at these people, people go, oh, I wish I was Ronaldo, I wish I was Justin Bieber, I wish I was Messi or something like that. And it's like, do you, man? Do you, do you really? Do you want... Look at Messi, like the best player in the world by a country mile. And then he might make one mistake here like or miss a penalty or something like that. And the whole country's on his back or the whole world's on his back. So, I don't know. You know, it's a, it's a weird dynamic, man. But it's definitely, it's a ruthless world, the football world. The mm. soccer world's a ruthless world. And um, it's not a place for... Uh, it's not a place for um, where people are putting their arms around you and going, it's all right, like, you'll be okay. And that needs to change, 100%. That needs to change. There, ne- there needs to be a space in the sport world, that, especially in soccer. Like, I don't. I think AFL, NRL definitely do it better than what we do in the A-League. But, like, looking after the players, their, their, their mental health and that kind of thing, it's not there. Mm. And that's my experience. I haven't seen it at all. And they go, yeah, there's this person that you can speak to, but no it needs does. to be, it needs to be there like all the time. Mm. Like, like, Oh, I had a bad day today and he's in the office around the corner from me to go speak to him. You know? mm. And I feel like there's places. They're starting to look at like yeah. full-time roles for that. And I think yeah. maybe some places may even have yeah. that. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I completely agree. Was there any specific situations where you had, um, cause I don't want to not focus on the success you had on the field because you played for the best team in the A-League through their period where they were the best team. I mean, you talk about the players they had, like from Troisi to Barbarousas to Archie Thompson, Rojas, Mark Milligan. I mean, Del Pierre. 
like a ridiculously strong team for so long that won championships and you were a part of all that and pivotal throughout. I mean, you were either the first one on for Valerio Milligan or um, you were starting through through periods and patches. And, and which is why I, th- I think like a little bit of the criticism you cop from the fan base through some periods of that was just unwarranted because it wasn't realistic to the situation. And like, if it was easy, everyone would be playing A-League, right? Yeah. But um, were there any moments, because the reason why I think your view started to shift on football a little bit was through some of the... Um, I guess the structure of how football clubs are run and how decisions um, were made yeah, and like yeah, that yeah. cutthroat aspect yeah. where the people, people element was lost. Yeah. So it's a fine line, isn't it? Because yeah, you could talk about on the field being ruthless and that kind of thing, but there's definitely an element. I probably won't say any stories, but there's des- definitely an element like an, of not treating people like people, not tr- treating people like human beings with the respect that they, um, um, that they deserve. Ah, uh, can I say a story? Just day to day stuff. I mean, like there's, there's yeah. little things, right? It's like um, know, things that happen in training, like how, how coaches select a team, how they isolate players who aren't doing well. Like, you know, that, yeah. that basic little things like that, uh, are things that just are normalized. Um, I felt like when I was playing, someone has a shit touch or a shit session, coach doesn't speak to you for like a day or a week. Yeah. Some coaches will come and go, what's wrong today? And good. But like, you know, ultimately there's, there's a lot that that's well, not important to me. He's not important to me now because that my job's at risk. I need to win. He's not yeah. going to help me. So well, stop. I guess it comes down to the question of, um, well, it's capitalism, isn't it? <laughs> like at the end of the day, it comes down to, it's a business and, and you're, commodity sort of like your I remember um <laughs> I reckon he'd be all right with us if I say this Jimmy Jago bleep it out if you message him first and see who can be yeah I'll message him wink wink <laughs> but I um but I put it was like yeah my first week or two at victory and um and he said to me we was driving me home or something I remember, I'll never forget, he said, go, he said, um, don't, don't think just because you treat people nicely that when like you need them, they'll be there for you or that they'll treat you nicely or treat you with respect. Referencing to pro football. Yeah. 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 In this world, basically in this world, like, like, you know, make sure you know that things are, you're looking over your shoulder at all times. You're not relying on people and thinking they're going to, okay, I'll give you an example. I'll give you a story. I'll kind of mask it in multiple different ways. <laughs> um, so I'm going to tell you a bunch of bullshit. But no, 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 no. So, no in terms of the, the people involved and whatever, but I'll give you the numbers are correct. Put it that way. And so basically, there was a there was a guy in in, in uh, Korea that I met, player, an import that I met, and talking to him. Uh, about stuff to do with his contract, blah, blah, blah. And he'd been there for a couple of years. He had, he had come from a really small neighborhood in Brazil that um, didn't, didn't know the football business, didn't know anything about it, right? I won't say what team he was at, but didn't know the football business at all. It was his first time leaving Brazil it was his first time dealing with agents, that kind of thing. Having a conversation with him, and it's hard, you know, I'm speaking to him in Spanish, he's speaking to me in Portuguese, so I'm not completely understanding what he's saying, but gradually through this discussion, I start to realise that he's telling me that the agents have taken 50% of his money, I think. So then I go to this other guy who speaks... Portuguese and English and he goes yeah bro that's what he's saying he he, we basically did the numbers we wrote down the numbers and we worked out that the agents and the club through the agents had taken 50% of his wage they'd they'd done some they'd and they put it in the contract but the contract was in English so he doesn't understand it so it's yeah, it's it's on him as well. It's partly his fault. But he's a young guy coming from who doesn't know anything. 
and these guys are just completely taking advantage of him. So there's stuff like that. That's an extreme example. That's obviously not happening every second day of the week, but there's that's, stuff that's like that just for just for people. I mean, I don't know if anyone knows this stuff, but I mean, I wouldn't be giving more than five, ten, five, ten percent, like maximum fifteen. Like that's yeah. that's all. That's anything that's above a, five, really. Yeah, that's the high end already. Fifty percent is insane. Yeah. You know, and this guy's coming over there, he's left his family, he's left his kids, he's like doing it tough by himself, he hates it, he's he's doing it rough, and, and these guys are taking 50% of his wage just because they're playing off the fact that he doesn't know any better, so I'll take, you know, stuff. So there's elements of like that, that yeah, it's a business, and so it's so cutthroat, it's like any other biz, big business that's around, but it's wrong. At the end of the day, it's, it's completely wrong. I don't know. How it, it it's uh it's not useful for to criticize something without a without a solution I guess but yeah. at the same time like let's, yeah. let's uh at least bring a light to that kind of thing that's yeah it's, it's crazy know? that's crazy that's yeah. a crazy story and as you said yeah five five percent I think is the max for what players at least in the soccer world agents take and arguably that's why it's tough for agents in Australia because not all yeah. wages are that much. Yeah, like it's not, but it's and, not... and this, by the way, this is not bashing agents because I've got, you know, the sickest yeah, agent yeah. Tony Rallis, shout yeah, out, mate. Shout out, Tony. But, um, but this is, that was, the club was doing it through the agents as yeah. well. The club was taking kickbacks. So it's not just, you know, it's just the world, I guess. Yeah. So the, the period after you won the A-League, what year was that? Was that 2016 or was it later than that? 2014, 15, I think. 2014, 15. I, I can't remember. You, don't have the, you, don't, you didn't do the research? No, well, I was at the game, but <laughs> I just don't remember when. No, I don't. I Three nil was, win against Sydney. Yeah, yeah. I think it was 14, 15 season, I so think. So was that, was that the last year uh, in regards to you? Did you take the gap? Me? No, no, no. So you I played another year. Okay. So around that around that time, I know, um, obviously, there was, there was a few reasons why you wanted to take... Um, a year off. One was just to kind of live your life. I think an element of maybe your your father passing away, Abdul, rest in peace, God bless. Um, like what what was sort of the reason for that gap year? Because was that to kind of taste what life is outside of football? Yeah, I mean, yeah, loads of stuff. Yeah, I I, I didn't feel great. I, I wasn't enjoying. I was I was going to training like it was a job. Like I was dreading to go to training. I wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't getting the best out of myself. Um, then the Bubba stuff happened. Sorry, the Bubba stuff. The dad stuff happened. Yeah. Um, Bubba and Swahili. Yeah. Mumbo Poha. Polly, Polly. And, and uh, yeah, I wanted to taste life, man. I wanted to get out of my head a little bit. wanted to see, you know, do the music thing for a little bit, travel, um, Meet some nice women, you know, do Did the you? whole thing. <laughs> you met a few, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to do the whole thing, and uh, man, I'd be a normal, normal guy. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Um, for me, I'm just so obsessive. I'm so so obsessive, yeah. and it's hard for me to be like, oh yeah, just like play football and just do you know, do the thing as well. It's hard for me to get that balance. So at that time I was just like all right, just I need I need a year. I need a year and I was I was confident that I would that I'd be able to get I know, I remember everyone was telling whatever. you like what are yeah. you doing man? You're there. Like yeah. don't don't drop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So when you when you look back now on your career because you actually played quite a lot. I mean, five five or so years at Melbourne Victory, then a couple a, a year at the Western Sydney Wanderers, then you had two two and a half seasons roughly at Incheon, um, which I mean you've maxed you've maxed a lot in a small amount of time. But are, are there anything? Is there anything specific from some of the plays that you played with coaches or people in that industry that you've taken away as like a positive? As like shit that the way they are is beneficial to me long-term, like some of the skill sets that they have. And I know we've spoken of this before with like maybe how Fahid was mm. and how brutal he was about, you know, everything that he did and yeah. like his high standard and musk, for, for instance, yeah. just things like that. Is there anything that stood out to you that that industry has given to you, given back in a sense to help oh, you? Man, the year that I had off, the, that year that I had off and I worked a normal job, it, it was like, 
I'm miles ahead of everyone. Mm. Just my my focus, my attention to detail, my like like be, like being on time. Like yeah. so, so, that's a small like a small thing, a tiny thing, being on time for things. In in I don't know what it's like in the corporate world, but I speak to people all the time that have uh, quote quote unquote regular jobs, and they say, "Oh, yeah, sometimes I sleep, you know, just get late to work and whatever." And in the football world, you know what it's like. You walk in literally one minute after, and people are looking at you like, "Yeah, yeah, like like you killed someone." Yeah, and if you do that multiple times, like people start getting shitty with you. <laughs> yeah, 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 and so just like, people genuinely don't like you. <laughs> yeah, 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 and I, you know, I heard you talking about it, and we spoke about it after that. You don't realize what the skill sets you're building in football or in your sport that other people just they just not they're not building those skill sets. Yeah, they might be a bit ahead of you because okay, they started their apprenticeship a few years earlier, something like that. You might be coming in terms of time a little bit behind, but in terms of mindset, determination, sacri- sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like who's who's that's working in the office is going oh yeah, nah, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna go to bed after eleven o'clock, and I'm, um, I, I, every meal thinking, is this the right amount of rice? Is this the right amount of fish? Like, you know, like wh- whatever it is, just that that kind of level of sacrifice. Mm. Oh no, nah, I can't can't go to my best mate's wedding because, uh, no, nah, I've just got to I've got to sleep and go to training or whatever mm. it might yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the the things that you go through that are that are normal in a growing up as a kid sacrificing your whole world thinking 24 7 about one thing and like trying to be the best at that how transferable that is into your um into your regular life and into your you know your future careers or whatever it's awesome yeah and um but also the the other side is uh i, I always mention carvalary as as for me like he was when the cap- captain and yeah, you and yeah, when he came in, it was for me. He's just such a normal guy, but um, I looked up to him in so many different ways, like in, in football, but outside of football, and um, yeah, there's multiple people like him and Archie and Fahid, and for different for different reasons, all different reasons, but um, you look at them and it's like one thing that I think say for him was the ability to be to be. Um, you know, quite special and have do really amazing things objectively. Mm. Um, but then just stay down to earth and still treat this per person A, who might be, I don't know, the Get best man in the world that. or yeah. something, and 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 then treat, you know, treat Best Heart Barisha the same way you treat the kit man, mm. you know, or the same way you treat your mate or yeah yeah yeah. yeah. You know, High quality Whatever. person. Yeah, so it was that those things, but lots when, of stuff, man. When you when you look back on your career now, are you content with everything that you achieved? Because you've obviously yeah. come out on your terms, so I assume there's an element of like you thought of this for a long time, so you're at peace yeah. with that aspect. Yeah. So well, that was the that was the other thing that I guess, um, you know, when I was talking about the whole mental health stuff and being over in Korea. Like I left the last, the, the, the second last season when we had um, stayed up, like on the last day, we had that dramatic um, thing, survival thing. Um, and I came back here for holidays and I sort of felt like, I spoke to my agent about this, it's like I felt, before I felt like I had something to prove to myself, not not to anyone else, but that, yeah, I can play at this level, that I'm good enough, that I can, you know, do well, play regularly and play well regularly. And, um, and you know, I had real good time and, and did all that. And then I came, then I went back at the start of the season. I was like, what am I back here for then? You know, like, I'm content. Like, mm-hmm. I, I did it. I'm, I'm sure. I've ticked I'm, that box. Yeah, yeah, I've ticked that box. I'm good. I know I'm good enough. And um, I put everything into it and I got what I wanted out of it. And like I said, then it was about money. Yeah, so yeah, it, was, yeah. it goes back to the whole thing. But yeah, man, hundred percent content as with, with with what I did. And um, you're always gonna say, oh, this this yeah. one thing oh, should have done this or could have got to that. And, but mate, people will be saying that until the day they die. Yeah. You know, so 
Mate, it's been a been a pleasure. But what, what's what's next now for you? So you're studying. I mean, do you have a view, or are you kind of just figuring it out as you go and, and dabbling in a few things? Man, I'm going into the psychology the the same way I got at football. Man, wow, I love that, yeah, bro. Yeah. Love that. So Maybe we'll get you on for a psychology. Yeah. Maybe you can be filling that void that the game needs, man. Yeah, well, Some, someone to talk to about the other heart. side. But uh, it's been a pleasure, Rashid Mahazi. As I said to everyone, my best friend since I was a little kid. We played soccer together. We've travelled the world together. Been dying to get you on, even though you're 25 kilos heavier than your your boxing weight. But um, man, thank you so much for coming in. And you've got you do got a, a really unique story. Leaving the game at the point in on your terms is not an easy thing to do. It's a tough thing to do. And and you know you achieved a hell of a lot in your your career, man. So congrats to you on that. Thanks for having me, Jacob BD. No worries, brother. Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award winning OzCast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. OzCast. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details.